I'm a big believer in you know really focusing and trying to figure out like what you're good at, what gets you excited, and uh, you know what can you be a champion at. Picture a world where costs are down, profits are up, and customers are clamoring at your door. You're listening to Let's Get Up to Business from Jordan Law. Our interviews with business owners, service providers, and area experts can teach you how to create a world of success and profitability. If you're looking for an attorney to assist in your business formation, employment agreements, or other legal business needs, contact Jordan Law at 407-906-5529. You can also reach us on the web at jordanlawfl.com. Jordan Law, we protect you and your business. Hello and welcome to Let's Get Up to Business. My name is Jordan Ostroff with Jordan Law. Joining me today is Rob Lagenhausen of Kiron Partners. Thanks for being here, Rob. Thanks for having me. We uh, we told Rob that this is videotaped, so that's why he's, <laughs> he's dressed in the nines for y'all. That's right. It might be the first time that I'm more dressed than our guests. Usually it's totally the opposite. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you got to keep it casual. It's Friday. Yeah, it is Friday. <laughs> this will drop on Thursday, though. Okay, well, so, this as well. But yeah, no, it's great. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm a partner at a firm called Curon Partners in College Park, and we're a financial advisory practice. Um, you know, at the end of the day, really, we're an intellectual capital company, meaning we Ooh. sell advice. Intellectual capital company. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, you know, the, the the investment component is such a commodity today, um, like many businesses. So to differentiate, um, you know, we try to focus more on the advice and less on the commodity. All right. So we got any listeners who know they need some intellectual capital, what's the <laughs> best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, so www.kiranpartners.com uh, is our main website. Um, we, uh, like I said, we're located right in College Park. Um, we're pretty... Decent presence now. We've worked a lot uh, over the years um, to build up the brand in the community um, through various events, um, through different causes that are near and dear to our hearts, um, and as well as obviously all the traditional marketing. So tell us, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so Kieran Partners, K E I R O N. That's right. Yes. Thank you. And did you do a phone number? Four zero seven six four eight eighteen eighty one. All right. Great. So tell us a little bit about the history of Kiron, and then we'll get into a little bit more about why you're here today. Yeah, great. So uh, Kiron is Japanese for process, and uh, we're, we're, we follow it with Raymond James. So at the end of the day, we are a Raymond James branch. Um, when you get big enough in the Raymond James system, um, they allow you to sort of brand and um, you know, hold yourself out as um, you know, however you like. And so we chose Kiron. Um, everything we do revolves around a test of process. Both from the client onboarding, the experience, the investment component, it's all a battle-hardened, kind of tried-and-true process that we follow. It's very repeatable, um, and so that's where we came up with the name Kiron. Okay, mm -hmm. and how long has Kiron been partnering? Kiron's been a thing for six years now, six, seven years, um, so it's been exciting. I, I, uh, I came over uh, seven years ago, and we kicked off, we launched the brand right when I joined the team. Um, we have a couple partners, Scott Brown, Michael Clark. They were um, kind of legacy guys over at Raymond James, what they call the Wirehouse, which is like a 
you're an employee essentially of Raymond James. So they spun off. Um, that's when I affiliated with them. I was with John Hancock. That's where I got started in the business. Uh, okay. And then together we launched Kieran Partners. And now, so I know um, you've got one of the partners who will be transitioning out. Yes. Yeah. Super exciting. So Scott's going to be retiring in the next couple of years, and uh, so we're very focused right now on transitioning Scott um, from client facing slowly to more kind of backstage, and then ultimately into retirement. Um, and we're doing that over the course of about three years. You know, at the end of the day, with any type of transition in business, it has to, the client has to come first. If the client doesn't come first, if they're uncomfortable with the process, if they're surprised by anything, then everybody loses. Um, so we're very, very thoughtful with how we, we do the transitions. And so we did one um, a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> I'm sorry, about merging businesses to bring people in and we walk kind of pe people through the process. Yeah. So this one, you know, it's somebody reach out with a question about kind of the reverse of it. So that's why I wanted to have you on here. Yeah, yeah. So I know, you know, you've talked about doing this over the three year time frame. Obviously it's gonna make it a slow process, but walk me through like the very beginning of it. You know, the, you all are sitting down and it's like, all right, it's time for us to come up with a transition plan yeah. to kind of, you know, explain to our listeners what that process looked like for you all so that they have a better idea when you know, comes to it for them or another partner. Great. It's all about collaboration at the end of the day. You have to, you know, it's funny because when through our school system, you know, from a very young age, we're kind of taught that knowledge comes from within. We're sort of trained to be this sort of rugged individualist in, in your mindset with your thinking. And it's in the entrepreneurial world, as you know, it's, it's completely different. It's all about collaborating and then um, teaming up with other folks who may have a different unique ability than you do, um, and then ultimately um, leveraging that knowledge through um, teamwork um, to then get to a higher outcome. So with us, with our group, um, you know, we had we have a couple senior partners, with a couple junior partners. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, a couple of the guys are younger, and then Scott's, of course, being a little bit older. And um, about a year ago is kind of when it sort of came about. Uh, a little over a year ago. Scott was wanting to kind of make a transition at some point. Um, we already had the team members in place, the infrastructure in place. We had the junior partners and then we had the senior partner. So for our group, we had already formed that collaboration years ago. Now, I, I think looking back on it, Scott probably, with his wisdom, he probably kind of knew what he was doing. Like, hey, let me get a couple of younger guys that I know, like, and trust, that my clients are going to know, like, and trust, and then kind of ultimately, you know, over the course of years, a few years, we'll sort of see how that all plays out. Maybe these young guys can kind of mature in the business, um, you know, understand the processes, understand the philosophy of what we're trying to do. And when he was comfortable is when he approached us as the juniors, as the buyers. So you think he was consciously or subconsciously kind of seeding it for much longer? I think so, yeah. Scott Brown is, uh, he's, uh, I can't speak highly enough about the guy. I mean. Um, he's full of intellectual capital. He's, he's got tons of it, yeah. <laughs> Very self-deprecating guy, though. Um, he's, he's got a really good sense of humor about him. He's just a good human being. So I think, I think looking back, he probably knew you know, what he was doing. All right, so, so you've got that partner you know, taking some time intentionally or unintentionally to, to get the business in the position where they can sort of transition out, right? That's right, yes. So then you guys get together in, uh, I mean, this is a meeting? Uh, I'd say it was a probably a series of them, okay. um, you know, and, and it it could be emotional as well. I mean, you know, you're talking about somebody's identity. You're talking about something that uh, the seller, you know, in, in our case, Scott, um, 
really is built over many, many years, over decades, and is nurtured, and it's, it's your baby. So I think with any business, with any transition, um, it, it, can, it can be an emotional thing. Um, and so that's, that can be challenging in itself, but um, you know, putting the emotional piece aside, when, when everything else kind of aligns and, is, and, and sort of falls into place, that's when those conversations start to, to happen. So I'm imagining there's like a dark room. There's that one spotlight in the middle. You guys are all around the table, and everyone's like, "All right, you know, let's let's chat this out. Let's get this going." Sorta. I, I, there was a couple of. The, I mean, I don't know if it wasn't a dark room, but um, you know, Scott and I had a conversation one night. Uh, I think it was about two years ago now, kind of before we inked the deal, and uh, we were in my back porch. We were both having a bourbon. We were kind of just chatting, and uh, he. He was kind of, you know, I think he, at that point he was ready to make a move. There's a lot going on in within our team uh, at that point, you know. And when you get to the size we are, I mean, we have we have 20 people now total, which for you know for our business is a is a you know fairly substantial sized team. And um, y- you know, there's a lot that goes with that, obviously, with you know the staff and managing payroll and HR. And it's not just the advisory business; it's running a practice. Uh, with the marketing and with everything that goes with that, and I think Scott got a little bit, you know, kind of burned out with some of that other stuff um, that was kind of weighing on him. And that conversation at the back at our, on my porch that night, um, he kind of voiced a few things that you know he he's passionate about the business, but some of the other stuff was starting to kind of weigh on him. The administrative stuff. The administrative stuff. Yeah. Okay. Probably. So I mean, but that you're talking about two years ago, right? So did you all take some steps to get? Some of that off his plate leading into this you know, sure. more formal conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've done everything from hire uh, a CFO uh, to you know having we had one of our own, um, someone that's been with our group for a long time that kind of stepped into this role a couple of years back of like office manager, um, you know, to handle the branch expenses, the bill paying, you know, the clock in clock out, who gets to take a vacation on Thanksgiving, and who has to be in the office, all that type of stuff. So um, over the past couple of years, we've put systems in place, we put people in places um, to help facilitate this transaction and, and, you know, really just make it as smooth as possible because there's always going to be stuff, you know, that comes up along the way. So that's, so basically you guys are doing it sort of informally for almost a year. Yeah, for sure. Probably longer than that, frankly. Okay. Mm. To try and get in a place where it would be easiest for him to transition out, easiest or at least to formally plan out the rest of the steps? I mean, what was, how did you know it was the right time? Or did it just sort of um, happen? I think it sort of happened. You know, it's some. It's funny because when I first came over from John Hancock, like seven years, almost going on eight years now, I was really chomping at the bit. I, I wanted to do this deal. And right out of the gate, you know, there were, we already had conversations at some point that, you know, Scott is gonna wanna eventually retire. We didn't know when. Um, but we knew that that was the end goal. So the first couple of years, you know, as a lot of you know times people you know that are younger in the, in the business, um, they get very excited, and that was me. You know, I mean, I was kind of I was about thirty years old, um, you know, and I was you know I was the young go getter, like let's go, let's save the world, let's just see people, let's do our thing and bring in business. And I was like, let's go, Scott, let's go, man, come on, when are you going to retire? Let's go, I want this now. And you know, he'd, he'd always be like, slow down. Just take it easy. You know, let the game come to you. This is something I always said. Um, and so I did that. And and also my other partner, Michael Clark, the other buyer, the other junior partner, um, and I, and also Austin is the third one involved with the deal. And we all kind of, you know, started to focus less on the 
final outcome of this you know, transition and sort of the focus more on the now, which was really building our own businesses within the Kieran brand. We did that for a few years and kind of forgot about the deal. And we were all sort of, you know, kind of doing well and doing our own thing. And, and then the deal kind of, you know, went away for a while in our minds. And that was the point in time when Scott then came back on my porch and he's uh, like, all right, dude, I think now's the time. Interesting. So with the Kieran <laughs> partners, I was waiting for him to give you some sort of like, you know, this is like a bonsai tree, you know, 80 years from everything, get this all set up. <laughs> it's interesting. So it was almost like once you all... Once you all sort of lost focus on that main goal is when you were ready for that to be the main goal. I think so. And, and I think it was really a, a maturity thing, to be quite honest with you. You know, I don't think that any of us were ready, you know, particularly the younger guys in the office, the, the buyers, if you will. We probably weren't there yet um, from a, a maturity standpoint, a revenue standpoint, um, you know, just all the above. And then Scott, meanwhile, being Scott, was kind of just, you know, watching... Um, coaching, you know, um, kind of letting us do our thing. Yeah, you know, it's almost like with kids, right? Like, you know, like with Benji, like you want him to make some mistakes. You know, you want to help him and like yeah. have him be successful. Just like me with my son Monk. His name is Chance, but we call him Monk. Um, you know, I want to put Monk in the best possible spot to be successful. But at the same time, I want to kind of struggle a little bit too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the they did all this giant studies on kids, and they found the most important definition, the most important trait. That leads to success was not intelligence, was not education, was not it was grit. That's it right, was the yeah. ability for them to overcome a difficult situation, yeah. as opposed to just like screw it, I'm taking my ball home. Right? Yeah, totally. I'm a big believer in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I like. It, I mean, it seems like Scott's this very you know wizened, maybe even more so than he gives himself credit for. Person that sort of just kept this going in the right way by. Not getting in the way and just formulating you guys into the right path. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's he's a he's a strategic thinker. Um, he's been a great mentor to me um, over the years, and also to the other guys on our team. And I think for any business, you need to be thinking about how to package it to sell it eventually. Like that's the ultimate goal for any company. It should be. I mean, we're very fortunate in our industry um, in the intellectual capital business that. It's all recurring revenue for us, right? So you, you know, for for us, it's you, you already kind of have that hurdle to overcome, where a lot of other businesses maybe don't, like law firms or other things. Um, it's well, mainly, then, you know, lawyers get dumb enough to name their business after themselves. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what idiot would do that, but um, uh, but you know, it, honestly, at the end of the day, like that should be what you're thinking about longer terms like yeah you're going to be working in the business on the business in the short term but what's the end goal and it, i think the way scott did it the way we did it at kieran partners was a smart way to do it and you know over the course of many many years building systems you have the recurring revenue in place there's a multiple on that revenue when you sell it and then at the end of the day also you know most importantly having the clients coming first right so before we get to, and I'm not going to go into the specifics of the deal, but before we get to the actual, like, I'm assuming you guys have a written out contract. Yeah, we have a contract okay. we signed about a year ago. So before we get to that part, mm. what else took place leading into the real pen to paper, a-hole lawyers involved, and, you know, let's get this on down. Yeah. Like, what else happened? Great. Scott uh, is kind of a, uh, I'm going to just throw it out there, he's a paper napkin uh, deal kind of guy. Uh, okay, he's a, he's a handshake. We you have know. many uh, many major <laughs> old school cases that go with. Yeah, uh, and you know it's funny as a 
having never been through something like this before, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and, and that, that was me. It still is me to, to, you know, a great deal of extent, you know, when it comes to transition like this, I've never done one. So you, you do the best you can with what you have. Of course, you know, leading up to doing the deal, the formal deal where we inked the, the contract, you know, I'm reaching out to buddies, I, I reached out to you, and I reached out to a couple other guys, and I'm like, hey man, like, what do I need to look out for? Um, and you get a lot of different input. Mm -hmm. And when you when it comes to a transaction like this, you know, all the smart lawyers are gonna tell you, you know, you gotta have an ironclad deal, you know, we gotta make sure you're protected, you need a retention clause, you need this clause, you need that, um, this guy's going to screw you. And that's that's your job, right? Like to be a good attorney and to give legal advice. It's like, hey, you gotta well, make sure you see why. At least, at least I'm gonna tell you to make sure the other person isn't screwing you. Right. Not yeah. necessarily that they're going into it to do that, but but at least to kind of <laughs> yes, uh, that fair fair enough. So um, one of my buddies, um, Derek Valkenberg, actually, I'm gonna give him a shout out. Derek told me he helped me kind of review the the contract like right before we inked it. So I take him to lunch one day at Rustic. And uh, over in College Park, well, some people say rustic. I say rustic. So I go to rustic for lunch, and um, I'm like, all right, dude, here, here's the contract. I'm getting ready to sign. Um, you know, what do you think? And so Derek looks at me, and he's like, and he's a good buddy of mine, and he, and he says, now before I read it, I want you to know today, I'm not your friend. My job is to be an asshole. <laughs> Sometimes those things are the same, though, right? <laughs> so, so he looks through it, and... Um, you know, he starts asking me quite, he's peppering me with questions and some of it I knew and then he kind of stumped me a couple times and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. And he's like, what about this? If, you know, scenario A happens, what, you know, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. So at the end of it, you know, I was a little bit uncomfortable because I realized like, you know, maybe this is not as tight as I, as it should be, you know. Um, but Derek looked at me and he said to me, uh, one of my mentors early on in law told me that it's better to have a paper napkin deal with a good guy than an ironclad deal with a shyster. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Because there's always going to be something. I mean, there is no perfect contract if somebody wants to be that devious. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that statement. And it, it just... And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about, I mentioned collaboration, and really with any business, transition or no transition, it's all about who you surround yourself with. It's all about, you know, um, you know getting the right, um, the right team members in place, the right partners in place. And, you know, for me, that's one thing I've always been really, really blessed with and, and fortunate with is that I've just got a great group of guys that, that I work with. Yeah, no, we had, a, we had Mike on one of the earlier ones. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I just I love his story about doing the uh, Pecha Kucha, bringing the knives in to juggle them during it, and then <laughs> having security at the uh, thing be like, you can't bring these in. And he's like, I'm juggling knives. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay, cool, no problem. Head right. on in. Yeah, yeah, Like, you know, I would tr there are very few people I would trust with, you know, knives behind security, but yeah. obviously Mike's uh, Mike's on that list. He's, he's, a good, he's a good human being, yeah, for sure. I would trust him to juggle knives next to me all day long. <laughs> well, that family never dropped him. Yeah. yeah no, Did a whole presentation it. juggling a bunch of different things during it and yeah. did it perfectly. So. All right, so um, you, have the, you have the first draft. You, know, you guys get together. You run out the first draft of the idea. You're running that through mentors, friends, whomever else to make sure. You guys go back, make some edits to the agreement. Yeah. Like, walk me through that process. And, again, you don't, yeah. we're not going into specifics. Sure, Just yeah. the 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 modalities that our listeners need to think about when it comes to these things. Happy to. 
a lot of times there's going to be some sort of a retention. Every deal is going to be different. Our deal was a uh, was uh, like a like an internal deal, so there was no external financing. There was no, you know, moving the practice to, from Raymond James to LPL or anything like that. Um, so it's a very kind of seamless process, particularly for the client standpoint. Um, there was a couple of things that we had to kind of go back and forth on. Nothing major. Um, you know, our deal is self-financing. So we take the recurring revenue, we tag a multiple to it, and then it's paid out to the from the um, buyers to the seller over the course of 10 years. Once the, once the deal goes into effect, it was a three-year window. So we signed the deal a year ago. So in two years from now, it's October 1st, 2022, is when the revenue flips and the clients then change from Scott to, to us. Okay. So that's when the the, um, the payment starts going to the to the seller, um, and then that goes on for a decade. So um, you know there was really no back and forth with with the multiple, with um, the price, um, with the payout, anything like that. Now, had it been an external deal where there was a bank involved, where there was financing involved, where we had to take out a loan, then you know it may have been a little bit different. Um, and I, although I've never been involved with the deal personally in this industry, but I I have a lot of friends that have and and. Um, Everyone is, is different. Of course. Mm-hmm. So you guys have this plan in place. Um, everything gets signed. And it's been a year since then. Right, yeah. So are we talking about, you know, how definitive is that contract on the exit strategy? I mean, is it mm-hmm. like in six months this is going to happen, in nine months this happens, in 12 months this happens? It, it's not that detailed. So we built it out. We, we designed it for the three-year window to give us plenty of time to transition the clients so okay. the clients have to be really comfortable um, with the new advisors right like so like the worst thing that you could do is the client gets a phone call one day hey I'm you know I'm your new guy that's not that's not a good way to do it so what what we've done is over the course of that three-year window um, we're doing a lot of joint meetings so like Scott will meet with you know mr. Jones and mrs. Jones then um, I might join that meeting, right? Okay. And the initial joint meeting, um, it's really, it's really just Scott's still kind of driving, and I'm introduced as a secondary advisor. If, let's say, Scott is traveling or you know he's on vacation, he's you know whatever he's doing, maybe he's not feeling well. You have a backup, so you have another person on the team that you can go to, and that's Rob or Michael or Austin. Um, so. So that's the first one. And then maybe six months later, we have a second joint meeting with Mr. and Mrs. Jones and then with Scott and I. And on that meeting, maybe I'm doing a little bit more of of, of the talking. So maybe I'm kind of driving that one a little bit more. Maybe we're both kind of doing our thing. We pull up the client's financial plan and we're integrating their estate plan and their taxes. And so maybe I'm kind of heading up, you know, a couple of those areas on on that second meeting. And does the client know from day one, like, hey, Scott's on his way out, or does the um, client know that on day six or day twelve? You know, I mean, like, it, it's it's all kind of across the board, honestly. Okay. I, I think a lot of the clients know at this point. Um, you know, really, the goal should be to have it as seamless as possible for the client. Of course, yeah, they have to come first. Other again, if 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 the clients are are not comfortable or if they're rattled or anything about this entire process, they they can leave. Like they can literally pick up their money and they can fire us and they can go to you know Merrill or whoever and so then everybody loses right um, so they have to be be placed first at all times. So you're kind of doing that on a on a client by client basis. 
Yeah, totally. I, you know, like the, the clients that are, you know, that are we have great relationships with, and I mean, it, it's you become very good friends with the clients over the years. I Man, our business is very, um, very intimate, and you really get to know folks. You get to know their families and their kids and their grandkids and their hopes and their dreams and, and their fears. So, um, depending upon about, yeah, I think the depending on the relationship, you know, a lot of them at this point know there there wasn't a formal like everybody's going to get an email, hey, this is going to happen in three years. It's right. kind of case by case. <clears throat> well, it's interesting because, you know, as you're talking to this, I keep thinking of Gary Vee's thing about brands. Mm-hmm. Like, in essence, you want the client to be subscribed to the brand of Kieran Partners regardless of the individual people, and then the trust in that brand is easier to transition as you go through, mm-hmm. you know, Scott to somebody else. 100%, yeah, and that's kind of that goodwill, you know. I mean, that's what you're building. That's what you're... Again, going back to the end goal, everybody needs to be thinking about how to package their business, whether it's an intangible like what you and I do, or whether they're manufacturing widgets somewhere. They need to be thinking about the end goal. What you know? How do we? How am I going to eventually exit from this thing? I'm going to have my right. you know my kids come in and, and take over. Do I want to sell it to you know an outside a competitor perhaps or some or a bigger group? Um, but that goodwill is super important because really you know. At the end of the day, that's what the clients are coming to know and trust, and um, and that brand loyalty is huge. And obviously, it probably helps the market zoom pretty well as you're going through this. Oh yeah, of course. Well, you know, now of course, you know, in the next couple of years it'll probably tank like right before. Yeah, you know, right before Scott leaves. <laughs> it'll be like, wait, Scott left, and now my thing's down twelve percent in three months. Like, yeah, but but it's up. This son of a yeah. You know. It's up one hundred and twenty percent over the right. three years before that. So it's okay. Hold on, give me and, a minute. Investor behavior is. Um, it's super fascinating to me, and it's the way that we all think yeah. about money. And as human beings, we're, we're kind of wired to be really crappy investors. Like, for example, if you get a statement and it goes down, the same parts of your brain fire up than if you walked out of Jordan Law today in your parking lot and you were confronted by a 10-foot grizzly bear. Right. It's the same parts of the mind. And so when that fight or flight response system kicks in, when you get that bad statement, um, it's it's nearly impossible to make a good rational decision in that point in time. I mean, it's a, it's a physiological response system. All kinds of things are going on in your body. This happens in a split second, by the way. Um, parts of the mind are firing up. You know, your your blood pressure changes. Your Maybe your palms get a little sweaty. Maybe you feel some adrenaline. You know, you get that feeling in your gut. Um, this is all going on when that individual looks at that statement and, and it's going the wrong way. So all of the long-term investments, you know, all of the, the rational kind of logical reasoning, all the stuff that we've put in place that they know they're up 120% over the past you know, few years. So, you know, but they just gave back 5% of it. So they're up 105, but they're still freaking out because of that 5% dip. Right. They can't help it. So that's kind of where we come in, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, we're more, you know, we, we provide clarity, calmness, oh, peace of mind. Yeah, we provide peace of mind. That's a lot of hand-holding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And letting people, well, I mean, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And so you mm-hmm. get somebody who invests, and they're not as, well, they're not. Most people are not as aware of the ebbs and flows in the market over and over time frame, especially if they're, you know, 30, 40. Mm. 
get somebody 50-60s, you know, they've seen, they had a little bit more of an understanding with the last, the tech bubble and everything along, and the housing market and the yeah. back and all that. Yeah, we've been in a really good run for the past, you know, 11 years. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a pullback end of 18, and folks kind of were, you know, reminded that the sun always go up. Um, you know, for the, for young, you know, we have, we have guys in our, in our group now that are like, you know, junior, jun, gen three, we call them. Like, so you have gen one, then we're gen two, the buyers, and then you have gen three. So okay. we have a very deep bench. And um, a lot of our younger advisors, gen three advisors are connecting and collaborating with our clients' beneficiaries. And it's funny because the younger guys, you know, maybe they've only been doing it for five or 10 years um, or less in some cases, they're like, the market's gonna go down. <laughs> like, what's going on? I haven't seen this before. Um, so I've been in the game 15 years, and um, you know, I, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to have been in the business in the Great Recession. Yeah, right. And I didn't have a lot of clients, so you know, I didn't know why everybody was freaking out. <laughs> but looking back on that time, you know, it was it was a it was a crazy time, and it's going to happen again. We're going to get it again, probably not to that extent. I, yeah, I can't imagine. And I mean, we could do a whole episode on why it'll go back down, and but why it shouldn't be as bad. But mm-hmm. no, it's just it's interesting. The uh, it, so many businesses really you're selling peace of mind at the end of the totally. day, like insurance companies, law firms, financial stuff. Like really, you're just selling peace of mind. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but let me. Uh, so let's get back to you got the contract down. It's been about a year. So walk me through kind of the steps that you've taken over that last year. To help transitions got out like what were the i know you're doing the meetings and kind of pack, pushing the meetings around but like what else had to happen um a lot of it has been with um with me and the other gen 2 advisors that are involved with the deal so the, michael and austin and i are, are the three buyers that are taking um taking over scott's um part of the business and a lot of it was planning amongst us so not really involving scott it was more like me austin mike getting in a room and saying okay Who's going to spearhead this when Scott leaves? When you say this, like payroll? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah, all so that stuff up that all goes into the... everything that he does. Yeah, so not just his book of business that we know where he's client facing, but you know the other side of running the practice, which is the bill paying and the HR and the payroll, all that junk. Um, that you know, I say junk. That is not my unique ability. So um, I'm a big believer in. You know, really focusing and trying to figure out like what you're good at, what gets you excited, and uh, you know what can you be a champion at. Um, for me, it's it's not you know the details, the you know the you know the paperwork, the dealing with the staff, you know dealing with the HR stuff like that. That's not what I'm good at. Um, I think Scott's kind of forced himself to be good at it over time. It's not his unique ability either, and that's why it burned him out. Um, but we're fortunate because you know Michael Clark on our team. Is um, one of my best friends in the world. Love him to death. Is a partner of mine. He's the complete opposite of me. It's almost like Jen. Like me and Jen are like complete opposites. But that's what makes it work. Right. It's like a marriage. So you know, like Austin and Mike and I get in a room and it's you know we're doing planning. Like, hey, who's going to handle payroll? Who's going to you know handle the you know the marketing for the firm? Who's going to handle this? Who's going to handle that? Um, so we're, we're we have a good core group that kind of specializes in different areas. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So what has been the biggest difficulty that you have faced since signing that contract over the last year? Because, really, I mean, it sounds like it's been going well. It's going really well. Um, but that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I think, 
you know, I think really just kind of fear of the unknown would okay. be the biggest difficulty. I mean, it, it's it's scary. You know, you, you've never, at least for me, having not been through a transition like this before, um, there's always stuff that kind of pops in your head. You know, like, did I do this right? Or is this, you know, the correct way that we should be approaching, you know, X? Um, so it's, it's a lot of that. And um, But, you know, again, I go back to, like what I said before, the number one thing is that you're you're collaborating with with people that you know like and trust and and the number one thing is just to have the right people on the bus and i think we have that so really there there hasn't been any major issues because of the people yes okay so it's so fortunately or unfortunately there hasn't been any necessarily planning that you all did that has made this go seamless it's just you happen to have a a great team which has made it go seamless or almost seamlessly. I, I would I would agree with with the latter. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, there's always going to be things that pop up, you know, along the way. Um, you know, it's like you know, it's like if you're buying a house or like we built a house in College Park five years ago. Never did that before. Had no clue what we were getting into, and our builder was great. Um, we used Fortis, Ed Valley, great guy. Um, it completely seamless process. Now, of course, there was things that popped up along the way. There was little things that came up, but because I had a relationship with Ed. And I trusted Ed, and and Ed did a great job. Um, it, it, we worked through it, you know. Like something happened, we moved in. You know, a little something happened, and and not to get into the weeds, but no questions asked. Ed sent a team out, fixed it, boom, done. Um, so that that's the that's the key is that you're dealing with the right people. All right. So then let me ask the question slightly differently to see if we get a more uh, helpful, not helpful, Do more. A more fixable answer. More We're something gonna... somebody can lean can do do it forward. If you were if you did the last, let's say, two years over again, knowing what you know now, what's the one or two things you would have done differently? Um with regards to doing the deal? Yeah. It's a really tough one, man. Um, I, you know, I got to give you at least one tough question. <laughs> you know, I've been I, ripping through the rest of them really easily. So, I, you know, I don't want to minimize this thing and, and say like that it's all it's all gravy. But right. I mean, we we have not had, yeah, we have not had any major obstacles at this point. All right. We've so then had, maybe we would have been little... just starting earlier, knowing how um, easy it's been. Maybe make it a four year transition instead of three. Or even then, like, you're still so far so good. You know, it, to that, to your point there, you know, if anything, maybe even pushing it out a year or two. I mean, I, so, and I only say that because, like, so I'm building my business now, focusing on my business now, and now I'm taking on this other business and integrating that with what I'm doing now. Um, we have, we've since hired an ad- additional staff. Right. So that was a big thing. Um, if I could have changed anything... I think the answer the answer that I'm going to tell you is um, I would have hired the additional staff sooner. Okay. So not I I, I wouldn't say like delay the the transition, but I would have I would have hired more more infrastructure sooner. Which makes it easier to get people to fill into roles that are now open or things that need to happen a little bit differently. Totally, and and would allow <laughs> yeah. me to also then like focus more on on continuing to build my business now between now and and by the time that. The deal gets put into place. Gotcha. Or when the transitions, when when Scott exits the business, which is again another two years roughly from now. Right. Um, I would have, you know, I could still focus on what I'm doing day to day. All right. So then, over the next two years, what are like the three biggest benchmarks or changes or things that y'all will need to work on 
to make sure it goes smoothly. Yeah, um, so there's a couple things there. Um, it's defining roles uh, for once the seller exits the practice. So it's gonna be you know, sort of the planning, like we mentioned earlier, with the three, the three buyers in a room saying, okay, who's gonna handle this, who's gonna handle that? Really more expectations. Um, we try to meet, Michael Austin and I, the three buyers, we try to meet regularly, like at least every week or two. We'll sit down for 20, 30 minutes and just kind of talk through, you know, um, like, hey, what do you guys foresee happening here? Um, you know, do you think this person on our team is gonna wanna stay like after Scott leaves or do you think maybe they're gonna wanna retire when Scott retires? Um, so it's, 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 more, it's more that type of strategic planning. Um, you know, staff-wise, I mean, infrastructure, I think now we're like, we're pretty solid. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's more that, just kind of figuring out like who's gonna be, be taken on what. So that way, nobody's gonna be surprised, right? Like right. you don't, if you do it, if, if you rush a deal and you jump into it too fast, then I think oftentimes you can create messes that it would have been easier up front to just kind of like prolong it a little bit more, like kind of, you know, and then do that planning up front. Um, you know, in three years, I mean, it's it, it's a big book. I mean, it, the deal that we're doing, it's it's a substantial business. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts to it, and I think you know, for us at least, three years was the right was the right amount of time. And it sounds like you've got a lot of benefit out of having two other buyers with you, all working together, because it's you're yeah. splitting something up, you know, three ways instead of just one way or two ways. Definitely. And the way that we did it was we kind of divvied out the clients based on personality. So it, it was almost like a fantasy football draft, not to like minimize it like this, but I will. Um, we literally sat in a room, we pulled up all of Scott's clients on a monitor, and we started to divvy him out. We said, okay, you know, this is Mr. Johnson, he lives in College Park, he went to University of Florida, and he likes to play golf and drink beer. Okay, he's Rob's. This guy's an engineer, works for Lockheed, you know, this guy, you know, is very academic, okay, that's Michael. You know, this guy went to Rollins, he's an MBA, okay, that's Austin. And that's how we started the process. Um, now it's not, you know, it's not completely set in stone. Like if somebody doesn't get along, or that there's a personality, right. you know, clash or whatnot, um, you know, because let's face it, not everybody's gonna like Rob. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, but you know, like not everybody's gonna like Jordan. But that yes. one we know why though. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you know, should things like that pop up, then obviously we can like make moves. And you know, again, I. I say it again, the client has to come first. They have to be comfortable. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it, it, it seems like, I don't want to say you guys lucked into a good spot because it's not luck, but you guys really worked yourselves into a spot with so many intangible benefits to make this as easy as possible. Yeah, that's a really interesting word, and, and I, I, I use that word a lot as well. Um, sometimes I'm reminded, you know, Jen will tell me, like, well, you know, I mean, it's not all luck. I mean, you worked your tail off, and right. you know you put yourself in a good position. But um, you know, I I think it's both, man. I, I I really do. I think it's it's part timing. I think it's part being in the right place. To, you know, I, I think it's also hustle, and I think it's also like you have to have all those ingredients coming together, um, kind of in a in a in a smart way, in an authentic way. You know, the way that I met Scott to begin with, um, we had a mutual client. I used to sell life insurance. I used to go to people's homes and I'd sell product, all transaction. And um, I had a client that um, I was sitting at the kitchen table just like this, and I'm making a recommendation for life insurance. And the client looks at me and she's like, well, this looks really good, but before I sign anything with you, I gotta run it by my other advisor, Scott. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> like, I'm gonna definitely lose this case. Scott's and gonna be like, this kid's a young idiot. Exactly, which I was. So, um, 
so the client, her first name's Judy. I love her to death. Um, she's still a client of ours at this day. So Judy, um, she, she says to me, well, you know, my guy, Scott, he's in College Park. And, you know, here's his number if you want to call him. And I was like, great, you know, let me let me reach out to your guy. And I don't know if he does insurance. I don't know, like, you know, but um, I had nothing to hide. It was the right thing for her. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'll call Scott. So she, Judy gives me Scott's info. I go back to my John Hancock office at the time in Maitland. And uh, I call Scott. And I'm, like, really nervous making the call. Like, I'm terrified. Like, I think this guy's going to yell at me. You know, like, he doesn't know me from... What are you doing? Yeah, Step yeah. My clients. Get away from my clients. So... <laughs> I get him on the phone and I'm going on and on and I'm telling him, you know, yeah, I'm Rob Lickenhausel with John Hancock and, you know, I met with your client, Miss Judy, and here's what I'm recommending. And then finally, he, he's, the first thing he says, he goes, whoa, it's like, slow down. Is it better for Judy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely better for Judy. And Scott goes, that's cool. He's like, go, go ahead, you can do it. I'll even put in a good word for you. And I'm, wow. like, I'm like, whoa, really? It was not. It was the last thing on there. I mean, I'm, yeah. I have like a list of rebuttals, right? Like, I think the guy's either gonna scream at me, curse at me, you know, get the hell away from my client. Maybe you got a three inch notepad with like if this. Then. Oh, totally, I did. And then like I'm thinking, you know, maybe best case scenario, he doesn't do insurance business, so like he'll like let me do it, but we'll split the commission. That's very you know standard in the insurance business. He didn't ask for a penny. He literally said, "Make sure that it's better for Judy," and that was my first encounter with Scott Brown. So, you know, you go back to your question, it's like it's part-timing, it's part-hustle, it's part, you know, I, if I didn't make that call, now a lot of guys wouldn't have made the call, right? They would have just, like, kind of tucked their tail between their legs and just go home. Like, well, I'm not, you know, that, that one's done. So, you know, I, you have, it's both, man, it, it's both. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, thank you. It, I, you know, they've done some recent studies that have found that, like, there is a component of luck, but ultimately, like, it's not... It's not just luck. It's you know, luck is that intersection of opportunity and drive and hustle and that's right. You know, random. You know, the the best thing you do at a random chance based upon everything that you're doing mm. yourself. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that puts us at a uh, about the forty minute mark. Wow. Flew by. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to this, if you have a topic or a um, type of profession or something you want us to. Go over, uh, shoot me an email, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at jordanlawfl.com. Like I said, you know, we had people do the merging businesses. We had someone ask for the separation of business or the leave a partner leaving type. So anything along those lines, let us know. You know, we want to make sure that we're getting the stories out there that are most helpful for you all. And then we'll end this podcast the way that we end, or I guess we'll end this video, the way we end all the rest of them. If somebody pays... Oh, actually, no. Before we do that, can you give us the contact information again? Yeah, 407-648-1881 is our main office line in College Park, um, www.kiranpartners.com. It's K-E-I-R-O-N, partners, plural, dot com. It's partners with a Z. Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> it's an S. Um, so that's how you can reach out to us. Rob Lakenhausen, I'm the only one in town with that name. L-E-G-E-N-H-A-U-S-E-N. You can reach me, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the above. Happy to speak with anybody about transitions, about the business, about entrepreneur, anything you want to talk about, happy to talk. All right, so now that we've got that, if somebody remembers nothing that you've gone over with them for the last 40 minutes, what's that one piece of advice you want as many business owners as possible to know? Great. Working on the business not just in the business. Oh, definitely. 
That's a, that's a great one. It's it's right from E Myth. It's um, if you haven't read E Myth, it's like a super short read. It's like that big. Um, the whole concept is about don't get caught up in the day to day activities so much. You know, for us, it's selling investments. Right. Um, step back and look at what we mentioned earlier, packaging the company to sell it down the road. What's the exit strategy? So be working on the accounting, be working on the marketing, be working on the team members. You know, don't just get caught up in the day-to-day so much. And to any of our lawyer listeners, I like the E-Myth, the real regular E-Myth, a lot better than like the E-Myth attorney book. Oh, I didn't know they had one just for lawyers. Yeah, I don't know if that's the only specific one he has, but I'm just sitting here and like, too many lawyers run their law firm not like it's a business. I'm like, yeah. just read the original one. If you want to read the lawyer one afterwards, great. But I think I got a lot more out of the the regular one. I don't know what the, the That's really cool. One. I, I didn't realize that. Maybe they have one for FAs. I it could specific. be. I didn't know that. But, you know, and, and it's funny you mentioned it. You've, you've done a great job with working on your business. And I've seen you, Thank you. with the podcasts and with, you know, it's about time you had me on. Doing these I tried videos, to get you before. doing the videos, doing the stuff, doing the marketing <laughs> company. You know, you're very active on on Facebook and, and social. Um, so you know, you've done a great job with that. You know, I've got a lot of buddies and clients that are that are in law, and you know, really smart guys and gals, but they're not always great at working on the business. Right. They're all good working in the business, but you know, I mean, bringing in being a rainmaker. Is a completely different thing than like being able to read a contract, right? Or to do law. So it's you know you got to have both. So we have uh, we break it up as minders, binders, and grinders. Okay. So your minder is your CEO, your you know top of the person coming up with the ideas. Your binder is the one generating the clients, bringing them in, having them sign up. And your grinder is the ones doing the legal work. Love it. It's so, awesome. I've not heard of that one yet. Yeah. All right. So E Myth, work on your business, not in your business. At least as much as you can. That's it, yeah. And the, the work has to happen wonderfully, but the more you work on the business itself, the easier it will be to do a great job in the business. 100%. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, guys. Happy Friday. You've been listening to Let's Get Up to Business from Jordan Law. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and would consider sharing the show. We would also love an honest five-star review through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you use. If you are interested in being a guest of the podcast, please contact producer Mark through email at mark at jordanlawfl.com. Use the subject line podcast guest in your email. Thank you. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. It'll drop on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. It'll be Friday the next day.